Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Hey everybody, this is JB and Madison. Welcome to the Texas Tailgate Talk Podcast, the show that deep dives into Texas sports scene for people who love football, basketball, and all the likes. So, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome in. Thank you so much for listening. Today is episode 8 of the Texas Tailgate Talks. We're going to go over kind of the games that happened last week in the college and pro game and also the upcoming schedule for this weekend. Let's first start with the Texas A&M versus Arkansas game, the Southwest Classic that was held at Jerry's World. So JB predicted that Texas A&M and Arkansas would have a very close game. However, he predicted that Arkansas would take the win over the Southwest Classic. You know, as an A&M fan, I'm actually very happy that I got this wrong. A&M ended up winning the game 23-21 to and ending Arkansas's undefeated season so far. Granted, it is still early. K.J. Jefferson, really on the turning point, he tried to jump over the defensive line to try to stretch out for a touchdown when they were really dominating the game early. But he fumbled the ball, and Tyreek Chapel recovered it, ran it to about the 20, which then he handed the ball off to Damani Richardson, who was right behind him, and he carried it for a touchdown. Although A&M did miss the extra point there, it really was a turning point of the game. And then with like a minute and a half left, the Arkansas kicker tried kicking a 42-yarder and what people are now calling the oink doink because it doinked off the upright and the entire stadium went silent for just a second to figure out did it go in did it not but it did end up going in so overall it was a great comeback for the Aggies against Arkansas one really bad spot that did come in the game is AM lost star wide receiver Anaya Smith for the year it looked like Max Johnson was running off and he got rolled up on and caught Anaya Smith's leg and turned to find out that he did fracture his fibula and he's going to have surgery on it and he's unfortunately done for the season. Jimbo Fisher did say this week that he is still going to be around the team and his just veteran leadership is going to really carry and hopefully build up that receiver room who is still super, super young. A&M did come up six spots in the AP rankings, bringing them up to number 17. They've beaten two really good teams recently. Well, we thought Miami was a good team before they lost to Middle Tennessee, but A&M is now number 17 in the country. The next game that we're going to touch on a little bit is TCU at SMU, the battle for the Iron Skillet. Fun fact, JB, this rivalry was deemed the battle for the Iron Skillet because it began in 1915 when a fan was in the parking lot frying frog legs before the game as a dig at the TCU Horned Frogs. And you know, I did predict that SMU would win by a field goal. Turned out not to be the case. TCU winning 42-34. to Now, one positive thing is that the attendance was 35,569. And that's the biggest regular season game at Ford Stadium in Dallas that the school has had. And it's their first sellout since 2015. One of the biggest reasons why the game did sell out is it was Sonny Dykes' return to SMU after jumping across town, going to Fort Worth, being the TCU's head coach. That was a very messy departure. Tanner Mordecai threw two interceptions, which basically killed SMU in this game. Josh Newton and Abraham Kamara picked off those passes, and while neither of them scored, SMU was driving in both of those possessions. Both TCU's offense and their defense stepped up in a way that really just outplayed SMU. Tanner Mordecai and receiver Rasheed Rice, which I don't know if you've watched Rasheed Rice in these first couple games. This dude looks like the next coming of Jerry Rice. Like, this dude is insane how good he is. But he play, they both played hurt in the second half. 
Nothing's been recorded that they won't be playing against UCF, so that's a positive. The upcoming game against UCF was supposed to be scheduled for Saturday, had to be moved to Sunday just because of Hurricane Ian. Also, despite suiting up and warming up with the team, Chandler Morris is still out with that knee injury. It's going to be week to week. And then this week, also, TCU will play OU in their home stadium in Fort Worth. All right. Next, we have the Bayou Bucket Classic, Rice at Houston. So, JB predicted that Houston would win this game by two touchdowns. Now, Houston did win the game 34-27, to so not what we really thought, but still a win for Houston. This was their sixth straight win against Rice in the Bayou Bucket Classic. Clayton Toon completed 22 of 30 for 236 yards and a couple touchdowns. And also, Alton McCaskill rushed for two touchdowns and caught a third. Now, at the end of the third, they were tied at 24 apiece, but Rice was only able to add three more points at the end of the game with a 43-yard field goal, so Houston's defense did step up big time. Rice's TJ McMahon was sacked by defensive lineman DeAnthony Jones, who forced a fumble, which then Nelson Caesar picked up the fumble and returned it 11 yards to what would set up the game-winning touchdown. Now, Houston did have 10 penalties in the game compared to Rice's three. Houston is currently the most penalized team in the country with 43 total flags, and they're averaging 96 yards of penalty yards a game. They have not finished a game with single-digit penalties, so something's going on in Houston. As you saw a couple weeks back with the two receivers fighting each other on the sideline, looks interesting for the new coach, Dana Holderson, being his second or third year on the campus. A lot of questions still yet to be answered. Next, we have our Baylor at Iowa State game. JB did predict that Baylor would win in this game. Woohoo, I'm finally getting some right now. You know, honestly, this week has felt more of a curse. And my predictions aren't really mapping out very well, but I'm happy that Baylor got the win. They won their Big 12 opener 31-24, led by Blake Shapin, who had a fantastic game, going 19-26, 238 yards, and three touchdowns. The game against BYU really prepared the Baylor staff and the Baylor quarterback for having a large and rowdy crowd. Iowa State trailed just 17-14 at the half, but they struggled out of the gate starting the second. Now, one person we really need to keep an eye on is Richard Reese. He's a true freshman running back who broke multiple tackles and had a 19-yard touchdown in the third quarter, and he was ranked 58th among recruits in running backs, but he outperformed that ranking this year so far. But the big question is, will he retain the starting role when Tay McWilliams returned from his concussion that he sustained in Week 2? So we're now going to talk about what JB deemed last week is going to be the backup bowl. University of Texas at Texas Tech. So JB did predict that University of Texas would win this game because you just stated that Texas Tech wouldn't have the firepower to complete the W. Now Tech did win 37-34 in overtime. This was the first time Tech won over Texas in Lubbock since 2008. Man, that's crazy. That's a long time. Yeah, for sure. Now, the Texas defense was on the field for a hot minute. Texas Tech offense being on the field for 35 minutes of the game. And by the end of the regulation, you saw Texas's defense really start to show. And with that being said, that was Joey McGuire's game plan, is we're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. We're going to hold the ball as long as we can. Not your typical Texas Tech speed, running up the line, going fast tempo every single play. And that really showed for both the offense and the defense because Bijan Robinson fumbled the ball on the first down in overtime, which is really a mistake that you don't see Robinson do just because he doesn't really fumble the ball very much. 
Miles Price for Texas Tech really brought the game in. He had 13 catches for 98 yards. He was one of the biggest contributors. And before the game, I was really questioning how consistent Donovan Smith was going to be. And this might be one of his best games he had, going 38 for 56 with 331 yards and two touchdowns. And he was constantly being pestered. Texas was always in the backfield. He was having to run around and make plays with his feet, make throws that were contested. And this guy really, really showed up. So it was a really fun game to watch for him. So I don't know if you've heard about this, but UT currently has a big bone to pick with Big 12 refs. With 538 remaining in the fourth quarter, Sarkeesian had to use a timeout to set up a third and three. Hudson Card rolled out to his right, found wide receiver Jordan Whittington. Whittington made that catch that was considered on the field out of bounds. But some Texas fans disagree. I don't know if you've seen the pictures floating around, but it is all over social media, and it's the picture truly seems to dispute the ruling. Upon looking at the photos, I would personally have to agree. The photos and videos both show that Whittington had both feet down with control of the football, which he then maintained through that catch. Despite this, there were plenty of other avoidable mistakes made by Texas that could have made that a non-ruling, but it didn't. And you know, honestly, for Texas fans, they're very similar to my Dallas Cowboys fans. There's always a bone to pick with the refs, no matter how the game goes, but especially if you lose the game, that's what's the big issue. All right, now let's start with this week's predictions. The first game I want to talk about is Texas A&M versus Mississippi State. That's going to be at Davis Wade Stadium in Mississippi. Now, this is really going to be a revenge game for me, in my opinion. Last year, Mississippi State came in and their offense just basically won them the game. It caught A&M all kinds of fits and just was really keeping them off their off their game. It was a bad game for their defense. So I think a and going to win by a touchdown or more. But the biggest question that I have is how is that receiving lineup going to handle the loss of Anaya Smith? Yes, you have true freshman Evan Stewart. You've got some matchup weapons that can really be game changers, but you don't have that safety blanket that you have in Anaya Smith. You don't know what you're getting out of everybody else. They're not as consistent, but Max Johnson's really going to need some help. All right, next let's talk about the University of Texas versus West Virginia at DKR in Austin. I think UT's going to bounce back on this game. I don't think it's really going to be that close. West Virginia, they're okay. They've got a decent quarterback, being JT Daniels, the USC transfer to Georgia, and then the Georgia transfer to West Virginia. He's finally getting some playing time after transferring. This is going to be a Bijan game, guys. Like He's going to be a stud. He's going to be pissed off they lost. And Quinn Ewers might or might not be back. Not sure exactly, but he did suit up and travel with the team last week. So might be getting right ramped up. Let's see if he plays this week. All right, next we have Houston versus Tulane in Houston. And I have Tulane winning this game, guys. They have a slightly better defense. Houston has a better offense, of course, with Clayton Toon at the helm. But there's been so much dysfunction in Houston. Like, we could really have an entire episode where we deep dive into all the issues that Holderson's team has had as far as the unnecessary penalties, pre-snaps, holdings, and just overall just question marks there. I think Tulane's going to win this game merrily. All right, we have Oklahoma State versus Baylor at McLean and Waco. This is going to be one of the most fun games, and this has turned into one of the most fun rivalries that we've had in a long time. 
This was last year in the regular season game, super close game where Oklahoma State got the edge. Then turn around in the Big 12 championship game where Baylor won on a last-second defensive stop. I think Baylor's going to turn around and get this just because they're home field. And Spencer Sanders is having a really great year for OK State. He's had 10 touchdowns, 916 total yards. Granted, they've been against lesser opponents. I think their best win is in Central Michigan right now. So with Baylor being battle-tested already with BYU, granted they lost, and also with Iowa State, I think that that plus their defense is going to really step up and win this game for Baylor. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Oklahoma versus TCU and Fort Worth. I think since OU lost to Kansas State last week, which is a huge just like, what the heck happened? Brent Venables is going to get that team lined up, and they're going to come out guns a-blazing, and I think they're probably going to beat TCU by a couple touchdowns. Speaking of Kansas State, now let's talk about Texas Tech versus Kansas State in Kansas. Now, they're both riding high after big wins. Granted, Kansas State definitely had the bigger win, beating OU, and... You know, I think that they both might have a little bit of hangovers, but man, y'all, I am such a big on Joey McGuire. I think he's such a great coach. You've seen it so far in tech with the turnaround, and they're pretty stinking good defensively as well. Now, I have some question marks on the offensive side, and especially on the trenches, but due to being home at Kansas State, I think they're probably going to end up winning this. All right, now let's get to your NFL. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys versus the New York Giants. I feel, but I'm not going to say a word, but I will say one thing right now. How about them Cowboys? So Dallas did end up winning this game 23-16. to Now, the defensive line looks pretty stinking awesome. Now, they're constantly getting pressure. However, the Giants offensive line is not really great. One of the biggest things that I saw this week that really caught my eye is Micah Parsons would take a couple plays lined up as a true middle linebacker and then on like obvious passing downs he lined up on the line a lot of times paired up on the same side as Demarcus Lawrence now on the offensive side of the ball Cooper Rush just keeps doing what he needs to do right like he's not doing anything special he's putting some stinking good throws on the money but he's just doing what he needs to do and now he's 3-0 and as a starter rather than just 2-0 and Tony Pollard to me is now going to be the number one back he just has that much more burst. He still has some strength that he's able to run into tackles. Zeke is just kind of it's surprising how much he's dropped off the last couple of years. Now, receiving depth is still a huge issue. Hoping that gets ironed out when Michael Gallup gets healthy because he might be back this week, but hopefully, you know, it comes soon because besides C.D. Lamb, and even though C.D. Lamb is great, he's having some issues dropping the balls. It's still a big issue. Dalton Schultz missing a game did hurt that tight end production in the passing game, but I'd argue that they ended up being better on the run blocking and run game without him being in just because he is sometimes a liability as a run blocker. And CeeDee Lamb had a massive drop, which I know you guys have probably seen the video. He was seen laughing directly after it, which kind of twisted me and had me going a little bit the wrong way because I was kind of upset about it. I don't know if he was laughing because he can't believe he did it, or if he was laughing that he was so surprised that Cooper Rush put a ball that on the money. But he did make up for it at the end of the game with the big one-handed touchdown catch that would basically was the, the game winner there. So I'll give him a little bit of a break, but let's hope that doesn't happen again. 
Right, our last NFL team to talk about, we are going to talk about Houston, Texas versus Chicago Bears. Yeah, Houston lost 23-20. to There's not a lot to report in this game. The Houston defense is looking okay, but Davis Mills is kind of being suspect. And, you know, overall, Houston's going to be looking for just a top draft pick this year. They might get Will Anderson from Bama. If they go quarterback, they might go Bryce Young. But we'll kind of see. I'm The jury's still out on Justin Fields. I am on the board now of, man, he might not be that great. He had the excuse of no Matt Nagy, and even without him, I'm still questioning and like, man, maybe he's not going to be that guy going forward. And now the biggest thing for Houston for the rest of the year is let's start the young guys, let's play them. We need to see how they'll develop and see if there's any hidden gems like they found in Damian Pierce. Now let's move on to this week in the NFL. We'll start by talking about Dallas Cowboys versus Washington Commanders at AT&T Stadium. Now, the Cowboys are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they're going to not only win the money line, I think they're also going to win outright, and that's going to cover. Now, Carson Wentz, metaphorically and literally, won't be able to hang on this week. I think the Cowboys are going to get to him multiple times. They have one of the best sacks-per-game percentages in the NFL, and I think Micah Parsons or Demarcus Lawrence are going to force a fumble. Now, Dak Prescott might be back this week, but I doubt it. He got his stitches taken out, and Jerry Jones says, oh, he might come back. Don't listen to what Jerry Jones says. That dude's like a snake oil salesman. It is insane. And he was talking about how the Cowboys might have a QB competition when Dak comes back, and that would be great. Shut up, Jerry. Like, Stop. Now, Cooper Rush needs to start this week, and when Dak Prescott gets fully healthy because you don't want to rush him back, <laughs> rush him back, you don't want Dak to come back injured and have a bad start to the rest of his season. Now let's talk about the Los Angeles Chargers versus Houston Texans at their home stadium in NRG in Houston. Currently, the Chargers are five-and-a-half-point favorites, and I think they win and I think they cover as well. I don't think this is going to be a very challenging game for Houston Now, if the Chargers don't have starting quarterback Justin Herbert, who's now solidified himself as a top 10 QB, even at his young age, I think Chase Daniel is way up to the task to be able to win this game. And did you know that Chase Daniel has been in the league for 14 seasons as a backup quarterback for all 14, has made $41 million as just a backup QB? That is insane. Literally, this guy has made a career on holding a clipboard, And then, oh, I might need to play one game here and there. And he's won a Super Bowl. You're in the wrong line of work. I know. I needed to be a quarterback, apparently. Now, the Texans have lost to much worse teams than L.A. this year. Barring some sort of big injury or that, I think Houston needs to just play the young guys, go forward, develop them, look for a good draft pick. I don't want them to draft Bryce Young if they get a chance to just because there's so many holes on this Houston depth chart. They have so many positions they need to hold. If you put Bryce Young in at quarterback, he's going to get himself killed, and it's going to be basically a Justin Fields 2.0 that you have no no one to protect him, no weapons to throw to. You've got a decent running back, but running backs are a dime a dozen now. So take the, the more sure pick. Go with Will Anderson from Bama if you get the top pick to be able to draft him, and yeah. But thanks, guys, for listening in to Episode 8. Hope you guys enjoyed. We will be back next week talking about all things college and NFL. And peace. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, 
Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from Texas Tailgate Talks, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TX Tailgate Talks. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.